0: massively
1: well welcome to fitness unfiltered podcast
0: welcome on. welcome everyone and ourselves
1: yeah welcome to ourselves um so should we briefly introduce ourselves yes i'll just um explain to the listeners that i have been nominated as lead for this beginning this initial podcast So if it sounds like I'm being a control freak, that is why. So let's start with you, Mike. Introduce yourself, please.
0: Hello, podcast listener in brackets S. Um, (laughs) My name is Mike, Mike Banner. I am a GP in West Sussex. And I have joined this podcast um, because the three of us kind of had this idea to... uh, talk about fitness which is not a particularly new idea um, but we wanted to talk about it in a way that was accessible um, to everybody whether you are a fitness professional, a healthcare professional or a general member of the public who's just interested in fitness and without all of the fluff that tends to be associated with those sorts of discussions. So my background is that I have been on a quote-unquote fitness journey myself that I continue to be on Um, And a kind of a total sort of lifestyle change, which has given me a huge interest in like, the psychology behind lifestyle change and um, trying to help other people achieve it, which, you know, involves figuring out what helped me achieve it,
1: I suppose. Love it. Brilliant introduction. Um, Thank you. And before I ask Dan to introduce himself, uh, it's kind of the start of this week's topic. So something that both Dan and myself, and I'm sure many fitness, quote unquote, fitness professionals find is that we don't quite know how to introduce ourselves because the term personal trainer, I mean, maybe we're bigging ourselves up a little bit here, but I find doesn't really do justice a lot of the time to what we do or um, what what we offer. And I guess it's given quite a bad reputation by some people or I guess in general population a personal trainer is often seen as just someone who stands there while you do exercise and counts your reps for you and we would like to think we offer a little bit more than that um so Dan with that in mind introduce (laughs) yourself
2: yeah thank you yeah this is an interesting one because it sounds like really conceited and pretentious to try and describe yourself as anything more and when I've attempted it in the past it's you know wedding or meeting new people it's well I've, I've kind of done a bit of strength and conditioning I do a bit of nutrition as well it always comes back to to so your PT yeah well yeah I, I guess yeah I'm a, I'm a personal trainer um my background I started personal training when I was at university kind of as a, a side job um I did a lot of voluntary work in the strength and conditioning department took a really interest in that just selfishly just wanting to improve myself worked with a lot of athletes at university um and over the years just worked with lots of people kind of steered away from working with athletes working more with general population focused less so on the physical got more so interested in the nutritional aspects of it and that's largely what i do now both one-to-one and online love it Not quite as good as Mike's, or impressive as
1: Mike's, but. Oh well, yeah, um, I know. I feel well, like we're, I, we're I, slowly I, going downhill, and now it's me.
0: I disagree, and I'll tell you more about that later. But I think we need to hear about Emma, don't we first?
1: Okay. Well, I'd say my sort of journey is slightly is pretty similar to Dan's. You know, I started as a personal trainer while at uni on the side. I was studying sports science, sort of the standard personal trainer degree. If you are going to do one um and then towards the end of my degree i got much more interested in how exercise and nutrition can impact health and well-being as opposed to sports performance so kind of like dan like i started off in a very sports performance mindset where i was a uh, you know i did some strength conditioning internships so i was very interested in that and then towards the end of my degree we did a few uh i guess parts of the university course that were more based on health and I thought oh I'm probably going to find this quite boring because I was so into sport and trying to play sport at a fairly elite level at that time and failing may I add but I then got much more interested in the health aspect so after university I went and studied diabetes and then I worked in a diabetes research lab and I worked for a year in research doing cardiovascular disease and diabetes mainly and then I decided I didn't really like academia that much. Um, so I started my own business and I guess tried to help people via that through fitness. Um, yeah, fitness programs online mostly and diet and nutrition advice.
2: Solid. Cool.
1: Solid.
0: Um, I mean, I think I would I would go back to something that you said because you – like Dan just said something about it not being as impressive as as me. Um, for the purposes of, of, of this podcast particularly, um, I just want to maybe make a bit of an expression about how half the reason that I've got so interested in, in learning about this stuff is because I've realised how little I know about it as a, um, as a healthcare professional. Um, and that has been a huge surprise to me because I think we all, to some extent, assume that our doctors, especially our GPs, would know a lot about um health as well as as well as disease. And I think that's something that probably we're actually lacking in. Um so I think I think certainly uh I I reject any suggestion that my qualification in this context is any greater or less than anyone. Well, oh no, is any greater than anyone else's. I've just ruined it. (laughs) I ruined the fact that I was being really um self deprecating and um, not oh. overly arrogant by saying less. Just one word really. Oh, and, there we go.
1: And also just to add on that point, this podcast will also not be edited as well as being unfiltered. What, so not edited at all. No edits will be made no. unless unfiltered you want to dedicate your time okay. and expertise to that.
2: Okay, People we'll love see... off the cuff and they'll love that, Mike. I'm sure they will.
1: Well maybe we'll see how it goes. <laughs> maybe maybe we shall but i think that that brings a brilliant point that you know some and i completely sympathize with doctors you have so much to learn and most of what you learn is probably about you know when health goes wrong as opposed to preventative measures um and it takes quite a lot for a doctor or anyone really to put their hands up and say they don't know something and you know put their ego out the way and say actually I, i want to learn more about this because i didn't feel I know enough about it at the moment.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I think it's um, I think it's a very important thing to do. I think when you start, I think you know, we we go back to kind of why people think that, that um, why people are embarrassed to call themselves personal trainers when they're talking to other people, why they don't think it that it, it kind of justifies what they do, um, why people have bad reputations, etc. And and my opinion on that is that. The, the biggest downfall of people as professionals is their inability to admit when they don't know something and to admit when they're wrong. And as a result of that, people make a lot of mistakes because they, they, they would rather tell people things that are wrong than admit that they don't know the answer to a question. Um, and that's, I think, why we end up with so much misinformation on so many topics. Um, and it's also why people end up ultimately having a poorer reputation so my method of practice has always been to try and be as honest as possible about what I don't know as much as I am about what I do know and also to accept that the things that I think I know aren't necessarily gospel or or a hundred percent correct the the recognition of my ability to get stuff wrong and it's the reason that I have that is because it's been proven to me on, on so many occasions particularly in my own health and fitness journey and kind of realizing some of the practices that I held to be really good ways of doing things that I, that I did myself um, and ended up sometimes even recommending to others, uh, ultimately realizing that I was completely wrong about them. is quite a humbling experience, particularly when you're meant to know about stuff. Um, but it's much more powerful, I think, to be able to admit when you're wrong and to change so that you can actually become better at things. You can't become better at things if you think you're right all
2: the time. Absolutely. I, I think that's probably echoed in the fitness industry actually. I mean, um I mean perhaps that's something that we'll come on to, but a lot of fitness professionals offering advice and things that just don't fall into I mean how many times do people speak of hormones and endocrinology and you know there are people that dedicate their lives to understanding these subjects. Um and even when all evidence points in the opposite direction now you know, they stand by their claims and probably like you know, you're a fine example, Mike, is the humility's there in that you've you want to learn more, you've gone to learn more about something you're you're very interested in. But fitness professionals, in my experience, very, very rarely admit they're wrong. Um I think humans that is that could that yeah quite a probably human. probably is a human trait. Yeah. Um but less so there's um I think especially in our industry where there is perhaps a pressure to set yourself apart as an authority yeah um it's very difficult as as you said as an ego thing sometimes to refer out probably when you should yeah. um I've certainly i mean admittedly like you know when I first started its it's easier to try and waffle through something than just to admit do you know what I don't know but go speak to this person they know a lot more than me um but that's putting the clients or the patient's best interest at heart
1: yeah I completely agree I think there's been you know quite a few cases in the fitness industry that I can almost see why it is so hard to say actually I was wrong because people almost don't let you do that. They're like, Oh, but remember when you said this or you're then ridiculed for changing your mind. I mean, the obvious one is Joe Wicks. um, When he sort of came out and said, actually calories do matter. And it's like, yeah, okay. He was giving out a lot of wrong information, but he's now put his hands up and said something that's right. And yet we ridicule him more for that. And I thought that was quite, you know, put really a negative spin on the whole industry for our sort of reaction to that. And this whole sort of all these videos made up of the one time he said this and now he's contradicted himself. Well, actually, you know, maybe he should have actually spoken about it and said actually that what, what I said was wrong. And this is now what I've changed my mind to, which I don't think he would said in absolute terms.
0: But that, that's what's so interesting about people is that people wanted him to apologise. But Why? In, in, you know, in some yeah. ways, what was hilarious about it was that everybody was, was at him for years. Talk about calories. Admit that calories are a problem. Admit that calories are a problem. And then he goes, OK, calories are a problem. <gasps> and then suddenly yeah. outcry because he did it. And it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, they need contrition. And I think, I think that's part of the problem is that, that because we worship people rather than concepts and, and science and, and truth, um, that's why we end up getting so caught up in what somebody says and what somebody does, and whether they were sorry about it, and whether they're a good person or not. And and it's it's interesting, and, you know, and a really a really far more controversial um, extension of that was the stuff that happened with Alan Aragon. Um, and somebody posted out a question on the internet and said, if somebody proves themselves to um, have done wrong as a human being, does that invalidate? all of their, you know, all of, all of the work that they've done, for example. So, you know, should we still be listening to people talk about nutrition if they turn out to have, you know, committed crimes or, or, or done, done bad stuff? Um, and it, it is a really interesting concept because I think people have a very all or nothing approach with things. They either like a person or they don't like a person. Um, yeah. and, and that often dictates how they react to the information from that person rather than saying well this science says this or this truth says this and this is what i follow and it's even you know you even find it in 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 the case of people who are very scientific a lot of people who follow people still are following the people and if they say it even if they might be wrong because they're admitting that they might be wrong because in the future we might have new evidence that tells us otherwise um but people still like to stand by and be loyal to to people rather than than um, rather than anything else i think
1: it that is a really interesting one, and i mean it, it's a kind of scary concept as well uh, if you're listening to a person because of who they are, not the yeah. evidence behind that exactly and you, and they tend not to question these people yeah. even though a lot of the time they want to be questioned or not that they want to be but you know if I put out some information that is potentially wrong and one of you sees it and thinks oh and i'm not actually sure you've interpreted that study right or something i'd much rather you told me that um and i could rectify my findings from that or you know be challenged in that way and maybe we could discuss it and that's kind of how we learn and grow exactly
2: yeah that's civil debate though that's 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 largely what we all want, but often Never get. disappointing. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that's almost a paradigm on the whole calling calling practice out on not people is that you know crappy people can do good stuff. That still means they're crappy, a crappy person. So, as you said, with the whole Alan Aragon thing, that's not just dis- you know that's pretty discrediting as a as a human being. um But his work is almost a separate entity. That's more of a moral issue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Whereas the Joe Wicks thing is, you know, that's that's crappy practice. But I think how fitness professionals better go about that is educate their audience on perhaps the right way to go about things rather than directing that all at one individual. Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think it can be difficult sometimes because you feel like when you've got a very small voice and somebody else has got a very large voice, it can be frustrating if you're trying to get out a message that, you know, to be you know to be correct but it's what we get all the time and it 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 pervades through all of life i mean you look at the daily mail the daily mail has probably got the loudest voice of all and gives Mm. out some of you know some of potentially the most questionable information um of a lot of the media that that we're faced with um and the, the difficulty with that is that how how do you say to someone oh well look i know that this huge organization says this but I, a small person, um, think this. Um, yeah. it, it's really it's really hard to balance, but I think it's something that has always been the case because media often has a much larger voice than people. Um, and it's only because of social media that a lot a lot of smaller people have created voices that are almost as big as, as, as these media things. So it becomes, you know, we, we almost feel more frustrated by it because we feel like we're almost there. We've got this platform, we've got these this audience listening to us, but then they'll still say to us, oh, but I, I thought you weren't meant to have carbs after 6pm. I thought that was a bad thing. And mm-hmm. you kind of feel like, oh, how, how, is that even, how is that even still a thing? How are people still using that information in the wider audience?
1: But yeah.
2: a question to you, to you both. Do you, do you feel that's almost a generational thing as well? Like almost generation X, Y, they, their authority, the cultural belief that they were brought up on is that, you know, no they to you, not because you're a separate entity, but doctors and newspapers, they're our primary source of information. They're, um, they're what we should believe. Yeah. And actually, our little voices in our generation, perhaps, on a social media platform, perhaps a platform they're not that familiar with, not all of them, um, well, what we're, we're saying doesn't make sense. Well, I, th- I think that the, the, for me, it's more of like it's, it's
0: celebrity culture. And it's um, it's the culture that actually influences people to subscribe to people. So it's almost like people believe a group of people over um, like, so people are trained to be quite suspicious. So if Beyonce, for example, starts putting out political tweets about stuff and about conspiracy theories and things like that, people are probably going to believe her because they like her. Whereas if you know, um if a politician starts doing it, then there now people seem to be more trained to be suspicious of those people and suspicious of potentially newspapers and stuff like that. And so you then have this even more toxic environment where you have you have fans having like like twenty or thirty years ago, if you were a massive fan of like a, a singer or a TV actor, You might see an interview with them every month, every couple of months, something on TV, um, something in a magazine. You wouldn't know an awful lot about them. Now, when you like someone, let's say, for example, someone from Geordie Shore or something like that, if you're a fan of theirs, you follow them on Twitter, you follow them on Instagram, you listen to them all day, every day. um, And you're exposed to information that they're putting out there. So they've got this voice. you, um, You like them. Um, so then when they say things you listen to it so then that almost becomes a more powerful voice because it's backed by someone that you trust so it's like Mm. people are just trusting different people um and people are like if if, it's like you would imagine if you said to yourself right i'm going to go and find out some information on fitness you've got google you've got twitter you've got instagram you can go and find the best fitness professionals um in all of the land but actually what's pervading that information is what's already on your feed, which is, oh, I tried this great Botox thing and it, it not Botox, sorry, detox. I tried this great detox tea and it and it worked or um, like look at these lip fillers that look really amazing. You should all have them. Oh, yeah. OK. Um, and and it's kind of like people are just latching on to this information because it's in front of them, not because it's come from somewhere that they trust. Hmm
1: agreed agreed um yeah i can't really remember what your initial question was.
0: i know though. i can't either <laughs> and i massively just went on on a ramble and actually i haven't really
2: thought that through at all and i was that was my fault i asked about generation x and y <laughs> um,
0: you know what we said about not editing earlier
1: well just we ca- can listen to that. no that was a very good ramble i just couldn't quite remember where it started but i completely agree with it and we do sort of misplace our trust now. And, you know, it, it's it's hard because a lot of people do do still have that sort of rational mind or that, I don't know, a little bit of scepticism. But it's almost like you have to tell them to to apply that now. Yeah. So it'd be like, oh, okay, well, the example I always use is like, if I'm buying like a box dye shampoo and I see that, I don't know, like Cheryl Cole is on the front cover and I'm like, oh, her hair looks great. I'm going to buy that. And and if anyone actually stopped and said, Emma, do you honestly think she's used box dye? She's probably got like a whole salon of people to her hair every morning. I'd be like, oh yeah, obviously not. But it still increases my trust somehow in that brand or because I like Cheryl Cole, I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this box dye. It's Probably going to turn out just like bloody awful like all the rest of them. But there's that something that because that sort of trust is there or you almost feel like, I think with the celebrity culture or the influences, quote unquote, um, that's more interesting. And I think in terms of marketing and sales, that works better because they're they're like real people now because you see them on social media. It's like, oh, I've seen her walking her dog and I've seen her doing this. And now she's using this new Herbalife shake or whatever. And you're like, I could see that being me and yeah, you sort of buy into it more it. yeah it's more relatable well, it's that faceless interaction as well as that
2: opportunity like you know you do plenty of the members your lives you know i'm sure you've got lots of fans that ask you questions on those whereas you know if they're, they're friends with it or they follow a pop star they can't you know they can't get direct contact to them whereas they can ask you a question and you can answer it mm. um but i think i'm, I'm going to butcher something that you said because I, I think you referred to it a little while ago um that it's almost like celebrity is celebrated more than academia these days. And I don't think people think about it from a rational point of view, as you said. it's They're not necessarily interested in the research and things like that behind it. It's, as you said, people by people, and it's who's sending that message and what results are they getting from it, rather than does this work?
1: Yeah, I I think on that point, there's a really kind of interesting thing that... the. And I guess the more someone knows, it's that tendency that the more they realise actually they don't know. So they never say sort of absolutes. They're not like, this is how you lose weight and it's an absolute, or this is how this happens and it's an absolute. Um, Whereas people who know slightly less, so maybe these sort of influencer types or celebrities that have just done a juice cleanse or whatever it is, they tell you absolutely that x causes y or that if you do this juice cleanse this is why it happens whereas if you got someone with a bit more knowledge it takes a lot longer to explain that you know it's not a punchy headline it's not take this and you'll lose five pounds in a week it's take this and along with a diet that is creating a calorie deficit forcing your body to use its own stores of energy body fat for fuel that's how you're you know it's not as punchy Yeah, it's It's not that sexy is it no and people like some people want to know that but initially, a lot of people don't like. It's the same sort of analogy as like, I honestly couldn't care less how you fix my car; just get it done. Whereas yeah, I want results. Yeah, and like, it. and they're like, okay, I'm not into health and fitness. I literally just want to lose five pounds. I couldn't care how or why I'm doing it. I just want to do it, and that's it. And th- that's the kind of people that are interested in these celebrities that are giving out, you know, nutrition information or. The next sort of five day blast or whatever it is. Comments.
2: <laughs> no, I, was, I was just thinking. Actually, is that you know essentially, then is that the wrong audience that a lot of people are trying to target? Are they are they wasting their energy trying to target that audience because they're only interested in the results? They're not actually interested in the process, and it, maybe their their material and their content is better suited to you know those that want to learn. But those it is are the a hard one. But how to do try you try
0: and like? to try and target because those Mm -hmm. are the people that need it the most is the people with the least knowledge um who actually who are motivated to make lifestyle change but don't know how to to go about it
1: exactly but you're right like dan it's kind of it's a hard one because you want to sell to those people but and you could sell quick results you know i could get someone to start a diet like give them a, you know, a diet to follow or give them macros to follow, whatever, get them losing that weight and not explain why or how I'm doing it would be quite short-lived because they wouldn't be able to turn that into a lifestyle. But a lot of the time, I think that's how you need to start with clients. Like, I guess, like, I don't like giving out meal plans, but to start with, a lot of clients need that structure or at least want that structure. And then they start thinking, oh, okay, well, actually, I kind of want to veer off this meal plan what else could i do and you you build it from there okay right well actually all that really matters is that you get in enough fruit and veg you hit some a protein target and you're you know eating at an energy requirement that is suited to your goal whether that be fat loss or maintenance or whatever it is and i guess like they have to buy into it first to see the results and then maybe they ask questions later
2: yeah totally like- you know you build that trust because it is a is a massive trust issue there um by giving them a little bit of what they want they need that buy in in the process don't they
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and i think giving people some progress to start with like the biggest motivator of lifestyle change i think is progress um, 100% the, the biggest thing that that, that encourages mm. adherence so just giving them that progress that burst at the beginning and that's definitely like what happened with me is i was i was told what to do by somebody and I questioned the hell out of it. And actually their ultimate response was, look, just try it for two weeks, see what happens. And then we can talk again. And it sort of it takes away the responsibility. Like I was almost the opposite. I wanted to understand why it was going to work and what's going to work about this and how is it going to. I don't understand how this could possibly work. This doesn't make any sense. Um, and it was kind of actually sometimes what you need to do is is like and, you know, to use another industry cl- like cliche is to trust the process um and actually once you once you feel comfortably on that journey then you can learn a little bit more i
1: think yeah i i guess like initially try and just trust the process and then start to question the process yeah 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 i think that's um a good point to leave it because we had strict orders from mike that over 30 <laughs> minutes was unacceptable
0: it wasn't unacceptable it was it was, it was intimidating
1: Intimidating, that was the word. Intimidating. We
2: did have, like, near enough 10 minutes of intro, though. Were we breaking the rules by going over five minutes?
1: And then Mike had quite a long rant.
2: I did.
0: It's almost (laughs) like I wanted to limit the time, but use most of it for myself.
1: It's almost like that. Yeah,
0: that doesn't sound like something (laughs) I would do, though, does it? I think I'm much more democratic than that, I think.
1: Um, And I hope everyone's enjoying our logo, because that... um... (laughs)
2: That's a cool story. Yeah. Let's tell
1: that one. Mike, do you want to go? Do you want to go ahead and, and share that one? For okay,
0: us? Let, let me tell you the story. So settle down. Um, I basically, you guys were coming up with some logos. We had decided that we wanted our podcast to be like unfiltered, so we wanted to just do it all ourselves, have it not be too polished or edited, etc. So you guys said. Um, well, let, let's let's design our own logo. And this filled me with dread immediately. I'm not sure if that came through on my responses to the messages, but I really... What I, the
1: hell, can we like pay to someone, someone to do it? Yeah. Yeah. So, can I just quote one message? Um, I'd come up with a few logos myself, and Dan was quite encouraging about them, offered a few changes. And then Mike replied, I don't like it. Um, so we asked why. Um, I don't like it no reason why, I just don't like it. <laughs> so, I think he was more
2: complimentary I, about yours. I think, you what I think feedback, that's what he said to my one. <laughs> the feedback
1: was you know, really great. I really mean, I great. think what I
0: said was, I want to offer constructive criticism, but I, I don't have any... <laughs>
2: Just no, it was like definitely it. I don't like it and I don't know why. Oh, that was your That first was it. Yeah.
0: Back. I mean <laughs> that doesn't sound like something I would say, but I mean if if I said that, then maybe I'm a different person to what I thought and maybe I will go back on reflect and reflect on my uh on my communication skills. However, I <laughs> I was just keen to get a bit more of a like slightly polished thing. So I I had I I kind of Outsourced maybe some graphic design possibilities, which um, which turn out to be quite potentially costly. Um, and uh, then I thought, <laughs> do, you, do you want to share how much, Mike, for a logo? Well, I I mean pet the thing is, it's like with any service, right? <laughs> if it's if you're investing something into a business that's like, like like that's going to make you money is going to make a return, then I think it's worth spending a decent amount of money to get a decent quality product. And I think that the the amount that was quoted for the product, it would have been worth it, but it might not have been worth it to us for this particular project because it's not it's not an investment return situation. We don't need the best logo in the world. We just need a decent logo
1: yeah and i think the issue with um logos is you you know you tell someone i want roughly this and you give them a bit of a spec, and they're like okay it's going to cost this much and then you might not even like what they've done and
0: well that brings us to the next part of the story doesn't it So, um, it
1: does. I decided to go on
0: Fiverr. I was recommended by uh, Fiverr by a, a well-known fitness professional, Jamie Alderton, and uh, he suggested, why not just go on Fiverr? Look at these great logos that I've got on Fiverr. And I, I saw some stuff that he'd done, and it looked amazing. So I was like, oh, yeah, brilliant. So I looked through all of the different Fiverr possibilities, and I decided to take a chance on a um, graphic designer from the Philippines who had no reviews, <laughs> positive or negative <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, I'm well, she's offering,
1: she's offering everything. she' you just have a gut feeling that well, this was a good idea? She sounded a nice lady in
0: her bio. She basically said that she was... Um... <laughs> Need to
1: feed my family.
0: No, no, not at all. She said that she was a five-year... She'd been a graphic designer for five years, but she was brand new to Fiverr, which is why she didn't have any feedback. She's Oh, to convenient. Build up her profile. convenient. I know. Hence the really cheap um, prices. So the whole thing, high-resolution images, et cetera, et cetera, was $5. So I was like, well, you know, what have we got to lose? I'm going to stick stick five dollars in, and and we'll see see what she comes up with. And so I gave her five dollars, and what she came up with was an offer for me to pay her an extra thirty dollars in order to get delivery within two days' time, and to get all of the different options at the high resolution version of the image. I said, but that was included in the five dollars, and she was like, no, that was just for the basic picture this is for everything but i promise you it's going to be amazing but she really tugged at my heartstrings to be honest she she promised me it was going to be amazing so i said fine i'll give you thirty dollars and she did you really give her
2: thirty dollars you didn't tell us i did
0: i did i did i did um and she gave (laughs) me back within within a day a clip art picture of a microphone with the words fitness unfiltered underneath it honestly you haven't even centered
2: you haven't told us you spent $35 on
0: that. I know. $35. And I said, look, this isn't really... like I'd given you the pictures that I wanted used in the logo and you haven't used them and it's not really like the quality I was expecting. Can, can you do it again? And so she sent me back this time a clip art picture of a dumbbell with the words fitness unfiltered on me and none of the pictures that I'd asked for. So then I asked for a refund and I haven't heard back from her and that was about five days ago. <laughs>
1: She's deleted her account and we'll yeah. never hear from her again.
0: So my next podcast is going to be called Graphic Design Unfiltered.
1: Um, <laughs> and
0: it's going to be about exposing the myths of uh, the graphic design industry. Just so you Marketing know.
1: Marketing Yeah, because I mean, that, is, that does seem another interesting point that personal trainers, especially online personal trainers, seem to get to a certain point in their online fitness career and then quickly turn into business gurus. Yeah, and like
2: six six-figure salaries.
1: Yeah, it it yeah. does seem to be like a progression. Like, oh, you get a decent online coaching system going, and then bam, business guru. So I'm a, i am i think I'm quite close to that. You know,
2: you're there. Yeah, they are.
0: yeah, yeah actually, that
1: should be
2: the next one
1: after mike's to one,
0: transition. of course. Yeah, I mean, we could we could teach people how to design logos probably now because we did. You've had all that experience in designing a logo. Yeah, um, and I've had all that experience in how to market logo design on Fiverr, <laughs> so we could probably set up a logo design company just, just the three of us.
1: I think we're overqualified, to be honest. I'm not sure yeah, what Dan's probably. bringing to this.
0: Well, he um, did that initial logo, didn't he? Where he did three pictures of us you and, hated and, it, wrote, yeah. and wrote Fitness Unfiltered. I think that I was the one that I hated the most, to be fair.
2: That was, um, and that, that's where that, that quote came from. I'm, I'm not offended by it. I'm totally fine with that, honestly. I haven't held yeah. of it, it mean, at thought, all.
1: I mean, I thought mine were quite good, actually. I didn't I did, any any credit for it because all I did was go onto an app and write Fitness Unfiltered and then click a button and it came up with all these designs, which is brilliant. But, but we should
2: probably should credit the person that's actually come up with the logo that we everyone probably will should, see we after do. this 10-minute explanation. I know. I know. <laughs> so basically, the, the
0: upshot of the story is that um, it, eventually, um, after much subliminal messaging, Jamie Orton eventually <laughs> took pity on us and, uh, and designed the logo himself, which was very kind of him. And I, I am massively grateful for that. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. Nice and uh, a, a very positive and constructive way to spend his time I'm sure so um, yeah because he's not busy really Jamie no no no, No. it
1: doesn't really do very much no there's there's
0: there's just there's only um running a business um an online business a real life business um a family I actually I I shouldn't say he's running a family because (laughs) then then his boss Anna will get very upset about that um but yeah a very busy man. So thanks, thanks again for that, Jamie. Much appreciated. He um, won't be listening. That's like assuming that he gets... This is a good way of testing whether he listens to the podcast. Actually. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he won't. It, I know. It, well, no,
1: probably not. We'll see. we'll see. And on that note, shall we end? Do we have like a special ending we're going to do? Or just... it's,
0: up, it's up to you, isn't it? Your, your podcast host of the week.
1: Oh, sorry. I'm lead podcast host. OK, well, I think um, probably just cutting it off. Uh, short and sweet okay bye yeah okay so thanks for that bye
2: the podcast you just heard was published with anchor got something you want to say to the creator of this show send them a voice message using the anchor app free for ios and android